moments mobilize movements. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about moments in time that mobilize into movements, that change the trajectory of people's lives, that change the course of history. And what we're going to be diving into today, and I can't wait to do this, is we're going to be talking about moments in modern youth ministry history in America that immobilize into movements that shape us and who we are today as a movement as we work and minister with students. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Welcome to Episode 2, Season 7. Here we are, Thought Factory Podcast. Glad you are with us. Normally, my normal guest host is Jason Brewer, but he is not with me today. He's on sabbatical. He'll be back in a couple episodes. So in the meantime, I've got some guest co-hosts. We're going to introduce that person here in a second. But if you missed the last episode, our guest co-host for the last episode of uh, Thought Factory Season 7, Episode 1, was Phil Joel from Newsboys United, a good friend, talking about two events that happened a generation ago that shaped American youth culture even to today and what that means and what the ramifications are for us now. One of, the event was, one of those events was Woodstock in, in August of 1969, and the other was something called the Asbury Revival, which happened 100 and 72 days after Woodstock. Those two things are linked in time. We talk about what that means then and now. I want to encourage you to go and check that out. As well as this next series of episodes, we're talking about moments that mobilize movements, things that happen in time that all of a sudden take on a life of their own. We're talking about how that happens in youth ministry and some examples. And I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes on this episode. Now, as we have done in the past, we have a resource for you that's free. If you want to know what students are thinking, we produce here at Never the Same, in our organization, we produce a report called the Adolescence in the Church Trend Report. It is research that we do with thousands of students from all over the country, from all different places and all different types of students. And it gives us a window into what students are thinking, feeling, believing today. If you want the latest research, if you want the 2019-2020 Adolescence in the Church Trend Report, here's what you do. It's free. You can download it. If you go to neverthesame.org slash trendreport, so neverthesame.org slash trendreport, and fill that out, we're going to get you a copy of that for free. Now, I'm going to throw this out because I'm just feeling, feeling it today. Do this. If you want to email me personally, i tell you what I'll do. For the first few people that email me, I'm just going to send you a physical copy just for fun, just to know that you're out there. So here's my email, jeff at neverthesame.org. So jeff at neverthesame.org. If you want to email me and say, hey, send me a copy of the trend report, send me your address, I want to get one to you. This isn't for everyone, but I've got a handful. So the first 10, I'll get them out to you. Might even give you a little shout out here in the podcast. So Feel free to do that, jeff at neverthesame.org. All right, don't want to give my email too many more times. You might take it and abuse it. All right, so neverthesame.org slash trend report. And on there, you're going to get a free digital copy, if nothing else, of this trend report. The printed version is real nice and feels really good in your hands. It's a pretty awesome resource to have in your office. But anyway, 
Take that, use it. It's very insightful. Here's what we do on, on our research, which is unique. We ask students what they think about certain topics in life, things from their belief about the church, about the Bible, about their school, about social media, about society, about culture, all kind of different topics. And then we ask their adults the exact same questions, but we ask them to answer it as if they were their students. So what we find is we've got students answering in their own words, and then we've got a perception of what we as adults think students are believing. And it's quite fascinating to look at the differences and the similarities in those. So it's very unique research. You'll really be impacted by it. So I want to encourage you to go to neverthesame.org slash trend report. There's also some video resources on there. It's all for free. Feel free to use those personally or in any youth ministry settings that you might want to. All right, getting that out of the way, we're talking about something big that's happening next summer, July 4th, 2020. It's called Claim Your Campus 2020. I want you to imagine 100,000 students from 10,000 schools gathered together for an outdoor festival weekend in the middle of the country, gathered to celebrate God, to be with Him, and to be equipped to go back and to reach out to their school. We believe it's going to be a historic moment. You can learn more about that at ClaimYourCampus2020.com. We've got guest artists and uh, others that will be joining us on this podcast. People will be announcing throughout this year. Some of you have been on this journey for a long time with us, and it's a fascinating experience as we've seen 50 other organizations join us in pulling off this historic event next summer, Claim Your Campus 2020, July 4th weekend. The website is obvious, claimyourcampus2020.com. And when students go to this event, they need an adult advocate. They need an adult that will claim a school, that will register, that will get it signed up. And when you and me as adults, as we become advocates and register a school, we're going to help get students to this event. could be five, it could be ten, it could be fifteen students. We're going to coach you how to do that, how to take that road trip right to the middle of the country in Kansas, into the heartland. We're all going to meet in the middle. And we're going to see what God can do as we equip these students to pray at their school, to share their faith, and to serve on their campus. Middle and high schools, 10,000 schools, 100,000 students gathered together next July 4th weekend. We want you to be a part of this with us, as well as these 50 other ministry organizations as we're joining together and uniting as believers to help support, encourage, unite, and unleash this generation to pray and share the gospel and serve at their schools around the country. Our dream at Claim Your Campus is that there'd be a student-led prayer group at every middle and high school in America. And this event is a big part of that vision. 100,000 students next summer. And as a result of 100,000 students being together and being equipped, we believe that we can get to every school. That would be 1 million students praying. We believe that we can get to that goal by the year 2023. I just want you to imagine that for a minute. Imagine what would happen in the United States if there were students praying for change at every school in America. What would that look like? Claim Your Campus is uniting students to meet once a week at their school to pray. If you want to learn more, you can download the Campus Prayer app. Go on your app store, look up Campus Prayer. You'll find it and check that out. Now, as this is being released, tomorrow is See You at the Poll. That's September 25th, 2019. 
And we want you to be a part of this. As, you, as an adult, encourage students. Make sure it's on their radar. You know, this, this event has been phenomenal over the years. We've done podcasts on it. If you go back and look in our archives, you'll see where we talk to the national coordinators of See at the Pole. But this has just been a phenomenal movement, and it continues to grow around the world. See at the Pole is part of the Campus Prayer app as well. If you know of students that are already engaging in praying for their schools, make sure, number one, they know about See at the Pole next Wednesday. It's the fourth Wednesday every September, every year. And that can be a kickoff for another thing, Claim Your Campus, which is a weekly prayer presence at a school. It's such a great launching point. And it's been a privilege to partner with See at the Pole and taking the moment of See at the Pole, that annual moment, and turning into a weekly movement of prayer on campuses. We've got between 35 and 40,000 students already praying consistently on a regular basis. And we know that through measurement through the app. So we're seeing all kind of students engaged in 42 states. We want to hit every school. As an adult, I know you believe prayer matters. I know you believe students matter. So let's get the word out. So claim your campus, see at the poll, all those things. This is a big week for us in campus ministry to see if the poll happens. And it's a big year as we all look forward to claim your campus 2020 next July 4th weekend. Let me introduce my co-host today, a good friend, a man I've known for about 25 years now, at least, maybe a couple more. I met him when I was a youth pastor. And this is a man who has experienced and seen, I would guess more than anyone in modern youth ministry history in America, has witnessed firsthand all these amazing people, movements, organizations, personalities that have shaped youth ministries as we know it today. And as we're thinking about this series of podcasts about moments that have mobilized movements, and we're thinking about the history of youth ministry in America, we thought there is no one better that we can talk to than this man because he has witnessed a lot of these movements firsthand. He's been there. He knows the the players involved. He's He's been right in the middle. He's been one of those people behind the scenes. Many people might not know his name, but this man has done so much for youth ministry, for the music industry, particularly the Christian music industry, and to connect all that into what we're doing locally in our churches and on our campuses. And his name is Alan Weed. Alan is the founder of Interlink. Interlink is a music and media resource that connects the church with the music industry and the media industry as well as students in our student ministry. And it's a resource that's been around uh, for over 30 years. And Interlink has done so much for us in youth ministry and local church to help us understand the power of music and media. Alan was there at the birth and really the these amazing days where contemporary Christian music came into its own in the late 70s and into the 80s and 90s and into today. And as it's morphed and shaped over the years, Alan's been there. He's been a player. He's been a part of helping to form and launch groups that you'd be familiar with. He really was heavily connected with um, guys in a band back in the late 80s as they started in the early 90s, DC Talk, Michael W. Smith. And then leading into artists, even today, Alan has been a voice and even a pastor to artists, to speakers, to leaders, to myself as well. Alan is an incredible person. I know him personally. And Alan brings with him a resource of knowledge. And as I thought about this podcast, I thought, we're going to sit down with a man who was there. 
And as a person I would consider one of the most important and critical players in modern youth ministry history, Alan has a lot to share with us. So in this episode, we're going to be hearing from Alan in some of the most formative moments in modern youth ministry history in America. Hey, good to be here. Thanks, Jeff, for involving me. Uh, I, I want to make an acknowledgement at the beginning here. The body of Christ is vast. There's many streams of God's movement in the denominational church and in the parachurch student ministry. So uh, uh, while we've had the privilege to be involved with a lot of these folks, and we have a wide, I, I want to also say it's not an unlimited perspective. So there might be some things that, that we miss here that uh, uh, that are significant. But uh, this is uh, uh, from from this perspective. So uh, thanks for letting me uh, let me uh, be involved with you in this. Absolutely. So we're going to start off by talking about organizations and people, some key organizations, some key people over the years. This is somewhat chronological, and like you said, um, there's a lot of people we can mention, but you know, as you, as you look back to the last 40, 50 years, these are some of the people and organizations stand out. First one is a couple guys that ran tandem for a while, Josh McDowell and Dawson McAllister. Talk about their influence. Yeah, I, I first met Josh McDowell in the late 60s. Uh, he was uh, doing campus ministry uh, uh, free speech platforms uh, during the uh, Vietnam time, and he was using those as a chance to share the gospel. Significant outreach to pre-Christians. Uh, he would come to a campus uh, and speak about apologetics, love, sex, and dating, the resurrection, and give his personal testimony in a three- or four-night thing, and it'd be a major impact. Uh, it was it was significant, uh, and I want to say in the uh, mid '80s he made a shift to a uh, to high school ministry. Most guys uh, start with student high school student ministry and then move to camp college campus. Uh, Josh went the other way around, uh, and uh, he he actually initiated a movement called the Why Wait Movement in 1985, which for me really began a much broader view of the body of Christ. Uh, he had a meeting in, in Southern California at Arrowhead Springs where he had, uh, I want to say, a couple hundred people. And uh, it was everybody from Free Will Baptist to Salvation Army, Catholic Church to the Assemblies of God, and pretty much everything in between. And uh, from those relationships there, uh, a lot of the long-term relationships that, uh, that I've continued even to this day came from that. And so Josh has always thought bigger. He's thought the body of Christ, and he's always given what he's had to uh, to a broader sense of student ministry. And in the latter part of his life, uh, well, the latter part of his life, he's still around. He's still rocking at uh, 78 years. He's 78 years old. He's still as energetic as ever all around the world. But anyway, he's begun to do uh, more and more with uh, younger students. Uh, the interesting thing is um, I want to say in the uh, late in the late 80s, uh, he came to us with the idea of uh, why don't we, uh, why don't I partner with uh, who? And he said, "Who's the best rock band out there? Uh, why don't we do? Why don't we do a tour?" And uh, they they play and and I talk, and that was the Why Wait tour that we did with Petra in the early 1980. Uh, I'm sorry, the early 1990s, and uh, he continued that kind of thing with Newsboys and many other artists. Uh, Phil Joel and others over the time. So uh, Josh has been significant. Dawson, same way. Dawson uh, 
uh, he began as a, a youth speaker with the Campus Crusade in the high school ministry side, did outreaches and uh, uh, high school assemblies all around the country, and then launched a, a ministry called Shepherd Ministries that uh, uh, was in. He did youth conferences in the 70s and forward uh, that were significant as it relates to uh, student ministry. And most recently, he's uh, he's going on mainstream radio with a with a talk show, a call-in show, uh, Dawson McAllister Live, and so he's he's continuing to do uh, uh, to care about kids who uh, uh, that don't know Christ and to uh, help them process through what it means to live as a kid in this culture. Mm. That's so, a couple of them. Yeah, that's a couple of them, and those they have been. Uh... Yes, yeah, significant voices in the last few decades. Now let's talk about an organization that really, um, really came into the scene and uh, shaped so much of youth ministry, and that's Youth Specialties. Yeah, yeah. Mike Akinelli, Tick Long, and uh, and uh, Wayne Rice, significant. They started with uh, the idea books. Every youth worker needed needed ideas to. Uh, to use in their youth ministry, and they started there with that significant ministry there. But uh, I think their real strength was in the uh, in the fun and the excitement that they provided through their uh, through their annual youth worker conference. And uh, we've been a part of that since oh my, since the late '70s, uh, and it's it continues now uh, under the direction of uh, uh, Doug Fields and and others. Uh, to it's it's coming back and it's even it's even greater at and, this point in time. Yeah, and and uh, I think one of the things that as I look at YS, one of their legacies is that they seem to help the church understand youth ministry as as a legitimate career choice and as a yep. ministry that really mattered to churches. And that that was just a massive gift that they gave not only to generations of students. But to churches and pastors and church boards and all all those people that made those decisions about you know who do we want to hire and how much do we want to resource the next generation. Now you mentioned Doug Fields, that brings yeah. us to the next one. He has been a significant voice. Purpose driven ministry came out, but particularly purpose driven youth ministry, I would say probably is the most read and used resource as far as books in youth ministry history. Yeah, that's significant. Yep, it uh, just picked right up where Rick Warren left off on the adult side and made it uh, applicable to uh, the high school students. Great, it's a great resource. So great. on on the line of organizations and and uh, people, let's talk about one that you were part of the formation. That's the National Network of Youth Ministry. Yeah, I wasn't there exactly when it started, but very soon afterwards, uh, Paul Fleischman. Uh, uh, had the vision for this to call youth youth workers together from across the body of Christ, and uh, and that's when the network was founded uh, back in the late six late uh, late seventies. Uh, uh, and what the way it really fleshed all this out was a thing called the national or the network forum. That was what we called it uh, in the uh, late late seventies up into I guess it. It went until probably close to 2000. Anyway, it uh, is 50, 75, or 100 youth workers and denominational leaders who would meet together in Colorado. This is where Barry, St. Clair, Chuck Klein, uh, uh, Paul Fleischman, 
Doug Tegner, a lot of these guys. Uh, I, I wish I could think of all the guys that have been a part of that. Tick Long was a part of that as well. Uh, but uh, we met to uh, to pray, have fellowship, uh, uh, relationally uh, spend time together and encourage each other, and, of course, to ski a little bit along, along the side. So <laughs> it was always good. And, and then from, from that... Uh, that the, that sort of birthed the idea, and Paul, I'm sure in his book, uh, Better Together, uh, talks more deeply about this, but uh, the WIMEC, Youth Ministry Executive Council, came from that, uh, and that, uh, that was an invitation-only meeting, uh, typically in, in May. Uh, I think the first one was 1990 in Atlanta, uh, where we had, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 uh, denominational leaders to come together to pray, to get to know each other. And these were people that uh, wouldn't be together otherwise, you know, across denominations uh, and parachurch ministries that uh, typically wouldn't be together. So it was a uh, it was it was a significant uh, relational time uh, that uh, that birthed a lot of movements that uh, that we'll talk about in a little bit. And historically, so, too, I think that the national network, what that began to do in the '80s, is take this the birth of the modern youth ministry movement that happened, you know, I mean, it was trickling in the 50s and, and in the 60s, but in the 70s, it really started to boom. And I think what, as I as I look at it, uh, even though I wasn't a part of it, my perspective is that the National Network really was the first clarion call to, to the youth ministry body of Christ, so to speak, to, to unify and to get together and to and to get our, you know, people in the same room and to unite our efforts and voices and to talk about what we're dealing with, uh, you know, in youth ministry. I met with, um, as we're recording this, I met with a group of youth pastors this morning in our area and told them just how important it is to sit at the table together. And I will say this, that in my experience, I told them one of the things I, I confessed to other youth workers is back when I was a youth pastor, I I worked at a large church. We had multiple staff, so... That really kind of was my local network in a lot of ways, and I knew and connected with other churches, but I, I wasn't really quick to show up at the table for those network or, you know, community gatherings and meetings because I thought we're just going to sit down and talk. Nothing's ever going to happen, you know. I just want to get some stuff done. And what I failed to realize and recognize is the importance of being at the table, if for no other reason, for the community, the camaraderie of of men and women doing youth ministry together, and I think that's what the National Network really gave as a gift. Uh, we also mentioned, Alan, we were talking, our last on the list here for organizations and people, and again, this is an exhaustive list, but but historically what's really connected, and that's um, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, what that's done to impact the body. Significant organization globally. They uh, have have been uh, really strong always in evangelism and discipleship, um, maybe more so outside the United States than in the U.S., but a really significant organization. You know, it's interesting, too, as, as we're talking about this, uh, we've gotten this broken into organizations and movements, and the interesting thing is uh, a lot of the organizations, or a lot of the things, that, uh, things <laughs> a lot of the... Uh, <laughs> A lot of the movements really are organizations. So uh, those of you who are sitting there going, hey, you know, you forgot. Sit with us here for a minute because we're going to move to uh, 
uh, other really organizations that we've actually categorized into the movement strat uh, stratus whatever. So. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna pause here. We're gonna come back and talk about movements and some of those people that you're. I know that you're thinking of Alan, and I'm thinking of. We're gonna come up in this next segment. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.